Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guest house overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. Hey buddy, how about you teach me that new dance step? I'm Lori McCandish King, reporting from the world-famous Crochet Museum in Joshua Tree, California. A jumble of figures crowds around me. Pastel poodles, there's a whole wing for poodles, grinning kangaroos, and quite a few creatures of indeterminate species. Next door is folk artist, musician, and museum curator Sherry Elf's studio. It's filled with her paintings, assemblages, and upcycled clothing. And I'm so excited to be visiting with her. Hi, my name is Sherry Elf. I'm Sherry Elf. Sherry, tell me a little bit about the museum. Well, the world-famous Crochet Museum, this is the story. I am a folk artist, and I had a folk artist friend named Ramona Otto in Santa Monica. She would always bring me cool stuff to make my art with, because she would find this really cool stuff at swap meets, thrift stores, and yard sales. And so one time she brought me these two crochet bottle poodles, and she said, Here, Sherry, I think you should collect these. And I looked at them, and I said, Really? You think so? And so I put them on a shelf, and she goes, Yeah, because they have these cute sparkly eyes, and they look cute together in a collection. And so, sure enough, I started finding them, although I'd never looked for them before. So Ramona Otto is the person that planted the seeds for the Crochet Museum. You said that the crochet poodles are a thing? You found a bunch of them? Oh, yeah. I kept finding them. And now I secretly think that that's how Grandma used to hide the liquor during Prohibition. For those who are young and don't know what Prohibition is, liquor used to be illegal. Alcohol used to be illegal in the United States, I think in the 20s. Yeah. And so I think that grandma used to crochet poodles over the liquor bottles uh -huh. to hide the liquor. <laughs> so in addition to those two seed crochet poodles, tell us what else you have in the crochet library. Oh, my goodness. Well, in our uh, extensive crochet museum, not only am I the curator, actually, Bunny the Crochet Alligator is the official curator. That's her title. I'm just the owner. Bunny? Tell us who is Bunny. Oh. Oh, actually, speaking of Ramona, we were out thrift storing together in Joshua Tree because she was coming to look at my cabin I had just bought when I, this was like in 1999. And we went to Rioni's Corral, which is in Joshua Tree. And I walked out of the store walking right by this crocheted alligator with a frilly little white apron on. And Ramona goes, I can't believe you didn't buy that crocheted alligator. I go, well, we've been shopping all day. I kind of shopped out. I don't know. And do you think I, she goes, yes. So I go back in, I buy Bunny. And this Bunny has a talk show on YouTube. You can see Bunny's talk show where she has a sidekick, Buddy. So it's Bunny and Buddy. Buddy's her sidekick. And they had one episode of the talk show, and I was their guest. And she's on the backside of my album. I'm on the cover. I'm Forcing Goodness Upon You is my album from 2001. And she's quite a character. She's a million years old, and she's a healer, and she wants to do a lot of good in the world. And she also has, you know, is the curator. She's the official curator. Nothing gets by Bunny, you know. With, nothing gets into the museum without Bunny's approval. I can see this picture of Bunny here on your dress. Yes. And she looks pretty, uh, pretty fierce. I, I can see why nothing would get by Bunny, except for that huge smile. But other than that, 
Super fierce, huh? <laughs> she's fierce, but really, she actually is a crocheted alligator, so she's not that dangerous. <laughs> now, you have a particular personal philosophy and artistic philosophy, I can tell, because when I look around, I see things like rest in peace, failing forces of darkness, <laughs> or here is a pencil to write your new story, or official all-day happiness pass. With my What Would Cher Do t-shirt, my friend Kylie knew Cher's friend Ron, and she gave Ron a t-shirt, and Ron wore it over to Cher's house, and Cher cracked up and took a picture of the shirt on Ron, and there was my signature there, and so her, her fans went and looked me up, and I have like 20 of the shirts online, and they're all recycled, so they're one-of-a-kind thrift store shirts, and they bought them all up immediately. I had to go all the way into L.A. to have my things printed at that time. So I loaded up my car with like 300 shirts, went to L.A., had my poor screen printer who was getting carpal tunnel <laughs> print the shirts, and I ended up send, selling another 300 to her, her fans. And that, yeah, that was a fun story. <laughs> I wanted to ask about your albums, too. You had one playing the other day when I was in here. Tell me about the musical part of Sherry Elf. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for asking. Well, that started when I used to have little unofficial contests with some friends when I went to a private school in Maui called Seabury Hall. We would go to the typewriter room, even during breaks, and we would write these funny poems because we had had a 45-minute drive home. And so I had a captive audience, my carpool. So I would read my funny little stories and poems. And they were very inspired by Richard Brodigan. Because I, my brother ended up with a Richard Brodigan book. And one summer when I was little, the bookmobile hadn't been there a while. And I used to like to read. And I had read every book in my closet except for The Romance of Shells and Trout Fishing in America. And I was really putting those off because I don't think I wanted to read about trout fishing. Finally, I read Trout Fishing in America and it was hilarious. <laughs> so that inspired me to start writing funny little stories and poems more. Because my, all my family does have a great sense of humor. So I was writing poems and stories. And then... I happened to meet a guy, and he wrote songs, and I'm like, wow, how'd you do that? And I knew how to play guitar because I taught myself, because my brother also had a guitar he let me use, and I taught myself how to play with the Beatles songbook. And so after I was dating this guy that wrote songs, I was like, well, I have all these poems. So I sat down one day with, with my guitar, and I put some music to some of these poems, and it worked. And a lot of the out songs on I'm Forcing Goodness Upon You were my little poems that I dug through my piles and made little songs out of them. Songs are Tenderness versus Watering the Lawn Backwards, The Saddest Song I Ever Wrote, My Automobile, Ron's Appliance, and <laughs> that inspired by a true phone call where a lady woke me up one morning insisting I was Ron's Appliance. <laughs> that was a funny little song. <laughs> so I have that. I have the album from 2001, I'm Forcing Goodness Upon You, and I call the release date 9-11-2001, because on 9-11, I was waiting for a thousand copies of this CD to arrive from UPS, but it was delayed one day, yes, because of 9-11. And um, so I still call that my release date, and that was the same day as Bob Dylan released Time Out of Mind. <laughs> and, um, and then The Kittens, I made an album called The Kittens with two friends here in Joshua Tree, and that was released... Uh, that was made on 2011 and released a couple of years later. I have a YouTube channel, Sherry Elf, and there's my hit song from that album is I Like Myself. I like myself, so you don't have to. I like myself. I'm down with me. I like myself. I'm in my spaceship. I like myself. I'm filled with me. What would Cher do? I don't care. I'm way too busy with myself. I'm excavating precious jewels from deep inside. I'm filled with these. What would Cher do? <laughs> I love it. Thank you. 
aside from coming here to the store, where would people get the album, album? the disc? I think they're still on CD Baby. You can get them on iTunes, Spotify. You can just email me through my website as well, and I'll send you uh, the CDs. They're they're $5 each plus postage. And your website? My website is sherryelf.com, S-H-A-R-I-E-L-F.com. So I have to ask you about your last name, Sherry Elf. That's so cute. Is that your real last name? Thank you for asking because people assume I made it up, but I did not. My dad's name is Roy Elf. So it's a family name, and I chose my parents for the name. I also am S. Elf. One of my songs, I say, uh, so I said to myself, S. Elf. (laughs) A psychic on Maui told me my name means sharing the elf. I like that, too. So you've lived here in Joshua Tree for more than 20 years. Is that right? Well, I've owned my cabin for over 20 years. And what brought you to the desert? Well, a friend's little church camping trip, she invited me. And so we camped in Joshua Tree Park, and I had never been here before. And I thought, wow, this is a pretty neat place. And we were going to look at wildflowers. And I grew up on Maui, so I was expecting big, beautiful, you know, flowers. And so we go on our little walk on the trail, and we're and they're like pointing down on the ground, and we have to look really close to see the wildflowers because they're like they're like a quarter of an inch. <laughs> so, but I did fall in love with the desert, and I would drive up and down the road, the dirt roads, looking at for sale houses. And I've just fell madly in love with a cabin in Morongo Valley. And in 1999, and I remember calling the realtor and asking her how much it was. And she goes, that's 21,500. I go, 21,500? She goes, yeah. And it had been on the market for two years because the Landers earthquake had scared a lot of people from buying out here. There was a big Landers earthquake. So I bought it at the right time, and the owner financed it for $250 a month for seven years. So it was a great little investment. (laughs) My cute little cabin on two and a half acres. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. How do you keep cool here in the desert? <laughs> well, we had to turn it off for this interview, but we have a swamp cooler here and an air conditioner in my studio where we're doing this interview. Usually a swamp cooler will do it, but on a humid day like today, you also might want an air conditioner. So also you'd get used to it. You get used to it and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the different seasons. And some people come through and go, oh, how do you handle the heat? And I go, well, it keeps too many people from moving here. <laughs> that in high winds and there's and snakes there's certain things that certain people will never move here and we're i guess we're on the fault line too <laughs> there's that, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but it's all good i love it <laughs> i want to get back to your philosophy because you have a yes. particular philosophy that's comes through in your art tell me a little bit about it ah thank you well i think from the time i was young i kind of was an old soul so i knew I knew what I liked. I knew what I mean. I looked at my parents; they're both on the other side now. They're in heaven, and I was like, "That's not really how I would live my life." Because it doesn't seem joyful. It doesn't seem to know who you are. And I think I knew who I was, even though I didn't know how to express it. So I think my whole life has been about finding out who I am, and it's through a spiritual path. And um, I've spent a lot of time in therapy, and twelve-step groups, and self-discovery, and my art is, it's my therapy. So I'm writing down what I want to learn and then I'm selling it to other people and it, it obviously resonates with them. And I'm so grateful. And so many people come in here telling me how happy that my store makes me, how happy my art makes them. 
And I even have people in tears here because they're not doing their art. Many people are not doing their art. I'm so grateful that I'm unemployable. So I had to build my own career. I had to build my own career from a seamstress to uh, an artist and a store, person with a store and a museum and a roadside attraction. I'm living my purpose. So I, I think by surrendering, you know, I come from a 12-step background. So when I surrender, they're just saying also um, that I really love is seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. And I do believe that. I put God first. And you, you were attracted to, you saw the Yogananda book. I have... Um, yeah autobiography of yogi here in the store because i just love yogananda and he had a place out here in 29 palms wonder valley where he wrote a lot of his books right before he transitioned passed on to the other side and i just love living my life in spiritual terms and knowing that i'm completely provided for like why my generous ex you know giving me this studio and store and a place for my museum and all the wonderful people that come through here and they get to have a a place to visit because i know i love going off finding little roadside attractions mm -hmm. and people being creative and having their own voice so i like being able to be that for people i've seen a lot of spirituality here in the desert and i wonder whether it seems to attract people who are interested in spirituality. And do you find a nice spiritual community here? Because there also seem to be a lot of individualists who like being alone and like mm -hmm. not being in the middle of a city yes. and the hustle and bustle and constant interaction. Yes. So kind of an interesting group of people out here. There really are. I do think there's something very incredible about being in the desert. You can connect with nature we had mental physics. It's now called the Joshua Tree Retreat Center, but a guy named Dingle May, he was in India, and when he was there, some people there recognized him from a past life, saying, oh, you were our teacher in another life. Wow. And so he studied with them, stayed there, and he came back, and he opened mental physics. And uh, I think you can still study the mental physics program. It seems like the desert gives you the space and the time to be able to find yourself more easily than you can in a city where you're probably forced more to conform and be aware of who's around you and care about them and maybe there's a lot there's a lot of reclusive people here who don't care about anyone and they're just living their lives and fine you know just and that seems to work fine too for them a lot of the things i see here sherry are recycled I've been into recycling since way back, and I think part of it is I've never got that inspired when I went to an art supply store. Everything was so fresh and new and factory produced, and it was just maybe it didn't have a soul. I think that the piece, like the old pieces of wood, I would find when I lived in LA. I used to drive down alleys <laughs> and see what people had thrown out next to their trash can, like maybe an old dresser that I would take apart and make a painting paintings on cut it up and make paintings like it already had a whole life and it had some wear and tear and and then it also was the fact that I was helping prevent that go from going to landfill and it got a new life okay and it, it might come from my philosophy too growing up in a traumatic home you know my dad was a functional alcoholic and he died this year and um he was not that great of a dad he didn't believe in helping family. So I think there may be a part of me that wants to rescue things like I wanted myself to be rescued when I was little. And I think the nice thing is, is that just having enough therapy and enough self-reflection and enough time and enough 
seeing how my art touches people, that has been its own healing for me, just getting into my work and doing my art. So what I do love knowing when I see people come through here and, and just get an aha moment and I like being an example that you don't have to work at a job that you hate, that kills your soul, that isn't, and then you, you put your art on the back burner, like so many people have done. I'm like being a living example of someone who's just doing my expression. This is my art. This is what I like to do. This, this is living my purpose. And I'm completely content here. There's been times in my life when people have come along and said, like when I was selling my one-of-a-kind recycled cheerleader outfits at the Santa Monica Flea Market, um, these people came along and said, we're going to, we want a hundred or they wanted a thousand outfits oh. and they were going to take them to some shows. And they were in the end, when they ended up in stores, they were going to be like a thousand dollars, but they were going to pay me $20 an outfit. Uh-huh. And I, I looked at that ratio. It ended up falling through and they canceled and I'm glad. And, and that also happened with me with a record deal. You know, you're going to end up buying me my house in Malibu, said my, you know, record deal lady. And I'm so glad that fell through, too, because I just get to be myself. And I'm kind of like a small batch person. I'll, I'll print like 20 shirts one day and put them on the rack. And that feels really good. That feels right size to me. I like that term, too, being right sized, And that might be more of a spiritual thing, too. And I think in our society, we're so pushed to do more, be more. And it hurts people. It hurts people's souls, and they're not human. Even I'm, like, not on Instagram anymore because having 4,000 friends is not realistic. It short-circuits the brain. Like, that's not natural. And, and so I'd rather just live and see who comes in through my store, like Lori here, and, and connect with her. She happened to come in on a day. I'm only here two days a week, Monday and Tuesday, but we're open every day. We're open seven days a week. Whoever comes in, I believe I'm supposed to be talking to them that day. And that simplifies my life. I'm into vol- the term voluntary simplicity. I like that too. That little song, Tis a Gift to be Simple. Tis a di- Gift to be Free. Anyways, so that's a part of my philosophy too, definitely, is keeping it simple, living a simple life, living my purpose. And, and the greatest thing, rather than pushing to be rich, to be famous, to make all the money, no love. Love is the greatest thing. And that's what I learned from Yogananda. That's what we learned from Jesus and from all religions, I believe, is love. And so that's what I try to do my best, to be loving to people that come through here. And um, I'm getting better at it. <laughs> you know, it looks to me like you find these found materials, you add love and joy and you create something out of them and then here it all is just for people to see what resonates with them and there's such a beautiful variety here and it is joyous you feel joyous even in the heat and it's hot but you feel joyous (laughs) thank you i i'm glad you feel that joy I love it when people do resonate and they feel the joy that, that I'm feeling. And I do find that when I put joy and love and presence into whatever I'm working on, it just radiates. There's something about it and people want to own it. Whereas when I used to in the past when I needed money and I was just, and I try to make something, yeah. force myself, it didn't always sell as fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's something about that love. is It's a vibrant energy. This is something I like to say about the museum. Imagine all the love that all the people that made those items in there put into that museum. So there's all that love, and I believe that energy is still with all those items. And then there's all the love that people feel when they go in there and they react with those items. So actually, we are creating this energetic field here 
that grows. So this actually is kind of a vortex here of joy and love here at the World Famous Crochet Museum. <laughs> come, and, come and feel it. <laughs> come and add to it. <laughs> Take from it. Whatever you need. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Me too. Isn't that great? <laughs> Thank you, Lori. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. I love visiting with you, and I'll be back for another hit from this vortex of joy and love in Joshua Tree, California. You can see some of Sherry's work on her website at s-h-a-r-i-e-l-f dot com. And we'll end with Whispering Horses by Sherry's band, The Kitten. Whispering horses dancing down the street. Whispering horses got new friends to meet. Whispering horses, they're here to play. Whispering horses like they do most days. It's a time in my life when I feel that I'm not unlike those. Whispering horses, whispering horses, whispering horses. Hey buddy, how about you teach me that new dance step? Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guesthouse overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. These children experience a world of science, technology, engineering, art, and math at Hearst Castle's STEAM, along with studying the legacy of Julia Morgan, one of the most important women in the history of engineering and architecture. The foundation at Hearst Castle not only changes the lives of children, but also provides lifetime memories and unrivaled experiences for our generous donors and members. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher.com, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to thomaswilmer.com. This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer. Please support your local NPR station. I listen to WNYC in New York. In fact, NPR is all I listen to. If I didn't have NPR, I would feel like my lifeline to the world has been cut. So, yes, please support your local NPR station. <laughs>